The domestic epidemic has set another daily record with 1,626 new local COVID cases. Taiwan also reported two COVID-related deaths. One was a man in his 90s. The other was a two-year-old boy who is now Taiwan's youngest person to die from the virus. There are two new domestic COVID fatalities. One is a male in his 90s who developed symptoms on April 13th and was diagnosed on April 14th. He'd had three vaccine doses. He also had a medical history of cancer, heart failure and renal disease. Treatment was attempted with remdesivir. The other COVID death is a case we all heard about this morning, a two-year-old in New Taipei who passed away. We were all deeply saddened to receive this news. The boy's death was mainly due to sepsis and brainstem encephalitis caused by a COVID infection. We've run some tests for other viruses. So far, no tests for other viruses have come back positive. In related news, local governments have been ordered to allow home isolation for all mild COVID patients within one week. The CECC announced the policy on Tuesday, citing the rapidly rising number of COVID cases and their burden on the medical system. Several cities and counties have already rolled out home isolation on a trial basis. These include Taipei, New Taipei, Kaohsiung, Yilan, Geelong, and Hualien. Parents are having mixed reactions as Taiwan prepares to vaccinate young children. Last Sunday, the CECC authorized Moderna for use on children aged 6 to 11. Though some parents are eager to give their children the shot, others fear the potential side effects. Experts note that Moderna is already approved for use on young children in the UK, Canada and Australia. They stress that young children are at greater risk of severe infection if left unvaccinated. The CECC has approved half doses of Moderna for use on children aged 6 to 11. Though parents want to improve their children's immunity, they've also expressed fears of the vaccine side effects. Experts point out that the US, Japan, South Korea and the EU have all approved the use of Pfizer on young children. Both Pfizer and Moderna are approved for children in the UK, Canada and Australia. Currently, there are two vaccines that have been approved for children globally. One is Pfizer and the other is Moderna. Moderna has been licensed in the EU in many major European countries and it's starting to roll out. Only after the two vaccines are tested in the real world will we know which one is better. The UK approved Moderna for young children on April 14th. Canada gave approval a month prior, while Australia and the EU did the same in February. Pediatricians emphasize that an unvaccinated child is at greater risk of severe infection. Going by the experience of the U.S., children can develop long COVID. As everyone knows, long COVID involves symptoms like poor sleep and the inability to concentrate. Adults are more able to cooperate with public health guidelines. They're more able to execute them. But for teenagers and young children aged 5 to 11, it is more difficult to cooperate with public health measures. Experts say it's hard for children to fully comply with COVID regulations, meaning that it's better to get them vaccinated to ensure protection. Travel agencies want subsidies, claiming that a new booster band-aid will cause sector losses of at least 10 billion NT dollars. 
The CECC recently ordered three vaccine doses for all participants of tour groups. Tour operators say the mandate has sparked a spree of cancellations. On Tuesday, Taiwan's Travel Agent Association asked the government to issue subsidies until it reopens the border to international tourists. Let's hear from the association. The revenue loss for domestic tourism will be at least 10 billion NT. The CECC's order will have a major impact on domestic tourism sales, and we can't tell how much greater the losses will become. We hope that starting in May, Premier Su will launch subsidies for business operations and employee salaries. We are extremely puzzled. You can't travel in a tour group, but you can take the MRT, you can take the high-speed rail, and you can go to the movies. We've only just stepped out of the ICU, and the government is putting us back in the ICU. Will travel operators be able to survive or not? This is a matter of life and death. Any problems regarding relief measures will be handled by the relevant authorities. When asked about tour sector subsidies, the CECC did not commit to specific actions, but the Transport Ministry said it was aware of the tour sector's needs and will continue communicating with business representatives. Taipei has expanded its trial run of home isolation for mild COVID patients. The option is now available to residents of not just Xinyi District, but Datong and Zhongzhen as well. The home isolation trial is only in its second day, but complaints have already surfaced from locals and borough wardens. Speaking over the phone, care workers check up on COVID patients isolating at home, giving reminders about health protocols. Patients who feel unwell can request a doctor's appointment via teleconference. Through telemedicine and call centers, Taipei is providing care to mild COVID patients isolating at home. The trial program launched in Xingyi District on Monday and then expanded to Zhongzhen and Datong on Tuesday. We will choose younger patients at the start. Pregnant women, dialysis patients and older adults will not be eligible, so we're going with low-risk patients. As for how fast we will expand the system, it will depend on how many cases we see every day, as well as how ready our systems are. We'll adapt as the situation changes. Tuesday was just day two of the home isolation program, but already borough wardens and counselors have been flooded with complaints. Locals say they can't find information on the program or any contact telephone numbers. Borough wardens say that they themselves have not received instructions from the city government. At no point has the city government given us information directly or supplied us, borough wardens, with information prior to its televised press conferences. Locals think that we have information, but we don't. We're standing vigil by our TVs just like everyone else and taking down information for the public. Say I were to start isolating at home today and wanted to know what to do and how to go about it. They'd just tell me to call the care center for Xingyi District. But who knows what their phone number is? People only know about the 1922 and the 1999 hotlines. That has caused many borrower wardens to have to scramble to find this information. In the morning, the mayor issued a handbook listing out all the things that borough wardens should be aware of now that we are allowing COVID patients to isolate at home.
Deputy Taipei Mayor Tsai Bing-kun said that the program was just getting started and that its shortcomings would be assessed. He said that a handbook would be produced and provided to borough wardens. Nearly 350 antique books, documents, music scores and cultural works were auctioned off at a Taipei bookstore on April 10th. The items included rare manuscripts such as a string arrangement done by the composer of the popular song Olive Tree. There were also Qing Dynasty documents and even a pop-up art book with works by American artist Andy Warhol. For the first time ever, three precious music manuscripts composed by Li Taixiang were on display at the auction. One of them was a handwritten score of one of his most popular songs, Olive Tree. The tune became popular in the 1980s and was performed at many shows. The score up for auction was a refined version of the piece, which Li specially adapted for string trio circa 1991. Due to the high difficulty of interpretation, the arrangement was rarely performed, making the sheet music especially precious. These are from the 1980s and 1990s. They aren't very old, but they are still very valuable. If you look closely, you can see areas where Li Taixiang erased parts of the manuscript to modify it over and over again. In the end, he was unable to erase any more, so he had to write the alterations on a strip of paper and stick it on top. You can tell that he was very hardworking. Everyone knows Li Taixiang. He took Taiwan's folk music and popular songs and elevated them. Nowadays, pop music concerts in Taiwan are the way they are thanks to him. This is Olive Tree, his most famous piece. It was originally sung by Qi Yu, but Li arranged it for string trio. He said this was the version he was most satisfied with. Another antique book on auction was Andy Warhol's first mass-produced art book, The Andy Warhol Index. The volume contains interviews, photos, and even pop-ups of medieval castles, accordions, and airplanes. The book is an iconic compilation of New York's psychedelic subculture from the 1960s. This one is from the 1960s. Nowadays, pop-up books are rare. The most important thing is that it's Andy's. The whole style of the book is similar to his art. The highest bid at the auction reached 700,000 NT. It was for a governmental document from the early Qing dynasty, annotated by the Shunzhi Emperor in the 17th century. This auction was different from previous ones because there were more manuscripts, there were more works that were handwritten by the authors. Another special thing is that we had land contracts that reflected changes in society back in the day. Organizers hope the auction can rekindle the appreciation for old texts among book lovers. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lu Bochong in Taipei. The Parliament of Ukraine has reached out to Taiwan, thanking it for showing support against Russia's invasion. Writing on the messaging service Telegram, Ukraine's parliament posted a photo of a die-in demonstration held in Taipei last Sunday. This protest was against Russia's massacre of Ukrainian civilians in the town of Bucha. In the Telegram post, Ukraine's parliament said Taiwan had supported Ukraine since the start of Russia's invasion. It also thanked other countries around the world that had offered help and support to Ukraine. Taiwan's foreign ministry says that so far it has collected more than 650 tons of supplies to help Ukrainians in need. So far, 200 tons of donations have been sent to Slovakia, while 100 tons have gone to Poland.
These goods will be redirected to Ukraine, the ministry said. They have also collected 940 million NT in monetary donations for Ukraine. More than two-thirds of it has already been transferred. The Medical Excellence Taiwan Foundation held its plaque unveiling ceremony on Tuesday in an event attended by Vice President Lai Qingde. The foundation aims to expand Taiwan's participation in health projects abroad, including in Southeast Asian countries and Japan. The foundation is made up of medical institutions, academic groups, and private businesses that hope to take Taiwan's medical expertise abroad. In coordination with the health ministry, 12 medical institutions, three academic associations, and four medical companies have established the Medical Excellence Taiwan Foundation. They held a plaque unveiling ceremony on Tuesday. The establishment of MET upgrades our international medical services to version 2.0. These services were initially passive. Then, through a stream of referrals to Taiwan's medical services, they became proactive, to the point of establishing hospitals abroad. The foundation started its operations half a year ago, targeting Southeast Asian countries in line with the new southbound policy. It's assessed investment opportunities in the medical sector of foreign markets, including Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and Bangkok in Thailand. It's also reached an agreement with Japan to form an international alliance to deepen bilateral medical exchanges. We want to build upon Taiwan's foundation of experience in international medical services and incorporate firms in the health sector. We want to integrate them and then go abroad to expand the impact of our medical industry and medical services. Officials hope that through a dedicated foundation, Taiwan can better consolidate its resources in the medical field and academia to extend the global reach of its medical services. With the COVID threat rearing its head again, insurance firms are adjusting their coverage to control losses. Hotai, Zhongguo and Cathay Century Insurance have halted their sale of their COVID policies. Union Insurance will do the same on Wednesday. Other firms, such as Fubang Financial, have unveiled new pandemic policies with reduced claim payouts. Fubang's new policy offers nothing for a COVID diagnosis and nothing for home isolation, but it keeps the original 100,000 NT payout for hospitalization. The customer calls come in in a seemingly endless stream of work for staff. With the domestic epidemic surging, this insurance firm has suspended the sale of its popular COVID policy. This mountain of paperwork is all pandemic policies. Over at this other insurance company, demand is just as hot for COVID insurance. A long line stretches out along the arcade as people try to get their policies before the 5.30 deadline. Another insurance branch has put up a sign to warn customers that it's no longer taking applications. Due to the escalation of the epidemic, demand for pandemic policies has soared and insurance companies are rushing to mitigate losses. Cathay Century Insurance stopped selling its COVID policy on Tuesday. Union Insurance will do the same on Wednesday, suspending a policy that pays 20,000 NT for a COVID diagnosis and 10,000 NT for an isolation order. Fubon, Chenggua and Hotai dropped their pandemic offerings on Monday. I think people are buying them up like crazy now because there have really been too many cases recently and you could get ordered to home isolate at any time. I just got back from abroad. I couldn't buy it if I wanted to. I hear that you can't buy such policies anymore. 
Fearing steep losses from COVID payouts, some insurance firms are adjusting their offerings. On Tuesday, Fubon updated its pandemic policy, removing provisions that pay for a COVID diagnosis and isolation, but keeping the 100,000 NT compensation for hospitalization. Many other firms plan to do the same, lowering their payouts for COVID-related incidents. We can see that the incidence rate is rising clearly and quickly. Therefore, considerable revisions to the policy may be made. You can expect that if we offer this policy again in the future, the compensation amounts will be revised downward. With COVID cases on the rise, the Financial Supervisory Commission has set out guidelines to avert insurance disputes. Under these guidelines, mild cases that isolate at home are entitled to general medical care payouts if they can demonstrate, quote, medical engagement. They cannot collect the compensation granted for intensive care or stays in negative pressure rooms. The guidelines state that payments must be provided in accordance to the contract signed to ensure the rights and interests of consumers. The Hangzhou Asian Games are approaching in September, and Taiwan has got four break dancers into the lineup. The four athletes qualified for the tournament at a final contest just days ago. They will now train intensively at the National Sports Training Center with the hope of bringing back some medals from the Games. A break dancer weaves together a series of incredible flips with explosive dance moves. Luo Guochen lifts himself up by just one hand. With moves this sharp, his opponents have slim chances. Next up is the formidable Sun Zhen, leading with a side flip and a series on the floor plus a headstand. He won all his three contests. Luo and Sun have been breakdancing for more than 10 years. Both will represent Taiwan at the Hangzhou 2022 Asian Games. The two of them are number one and number two in the accumulated points contest in Taiwan. The Asian Games training team has come in and of course the goal is to get a medal at the Asian Games and also prepare for the Olympics. So the whole coaching team has been making very detailed plans for the Asian Games. The Games kick off in September this year. Luo and Sun qualified in the national finals at the men's event in the National Sports Training Center. And Taiwan will also be represented in the women's breakdancing event. Chen Yiru and Cheng Yuning both have been dancing for eight years. Chen Yuning graduated from Zhangjing Vocational High School. She studied many different styles of dance, so you can see she has a lot of different moves like crossing her legs or she's very flexible, stepping on her hands. Those are all moves that she learned before at school and now she's bringing them into breakdancing. Whereas Yiru, what's different about her compared to most B-girls is she has very impressive moves and the way she can rotate her back is something that you probably can't find anyone else in the world doing exactly like that. The four dancers will all dance their hearts out for Taiwan at the Asian Games later this year. 66 artists and 41 art galleries from Taiwan and abroad showed off their latest works at Art Solo 2022. The three-day exhibition in Taipei was a gathering of all sorts of artworks, from photographs and paintings to sculpture and wood carvings. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang met some of the artists to learn more about their creations. 
This is Salvador Marco, a Spanish artist based in Taiwan. His stone carvings and photography were all inspired by nature. The artist's works feature his travels around the world to places including Iceland and Taiwan. This piece titled Stones Are Waiting was shot in Penghu. The name of this work is uh, Stone is Waiting. It's waiting. And what is waiting? Because for me, uh, the stone and the people is, uh, have the connection about the life. For example, people uh, work too hard and uh, every, every time is busy. I don't enjoy about uh, the beauty of the nature, the beauty of the life. So for me, see this stone is, uh, means like keep down and the peaceful and enjoy the beauty of the Taiwan. Marco moved to Taiwan 11 years ago and was immediately captivated by Taiwan's beauty and people. He said Taiwan is a great place for creatives to work. The best of Taiwan is the people. The people is friendly, amazing. Of course, the landscape is uh, have a lot of possibility to create. Another artist is Lu Han, who uses acrylic paint in his works. His paintings depict Taiwan's mountains and nature. If you look closely, you can find some animals in the composition. All the works I have exhibited present the concept of déjà vu through a scenery I see. I mainly paint Taiwanese landscapes. You can discover plants in the scenery growing naturally. They are natural elements, not artificial. They are part of nature. There are some figures as well which may be animals or humans. I reinterpret all these things in my works. Another artist is Chen Kai. His works depict beasts, celestial phenomena, plants, volcanoes, and other natural elements. It's like the weather. It can get very hot. There are meteorological phenomena and natural phenomena, like shooting stars. It's very hard to predict whether the shooting stars will get too close to Earth and get set ablaze. These uncertainties are very similar to the ones we experience in our daily lives with the current social environment. Dozens of artists and art galleries exhibited their latest works at Art Solo 2022, showing that in art, anything is possible. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lu Bo Tong in Taipei.